Thank you, guys. Thank you for leading us. Would you take your Bible and turn with me to James chapter 3? James chapter 3. Before we dive into God's Word today, I want to remind you as we've been going through last week, and we will the next number of weeks, a, a reminder of ident- our identity, who God has called us to be, who we are. If we don't know who we are, that dangerous things could happen, and we need to know who we are in Jesus Christ. Grace Point Church of the Nazarene is a Bible-believing church, and the Bible doesn't leave a lot of room for us when we look at our mission. It's very clear in Scripture. Our mission is to make Christ-like disciples across the street. That's pretty close to us. Across town. That, that's around us and around the world. Fulfilling the Great Commission. That's what's over here. In the spirit of the Great Commandments. That's what's over here on the wall. And as we do this, I can see what God is doing in our midst. It's going to be bigger than just what's in this room. There's going to be hundreds of Christ-like communities. Hundreds of smaller gatherings of us, united in prayer, intentionally impacting the world for Christ, out of the fresh overflow of what the Holy Spirit's doing in us. And we've talked about how we celebrate big in this room. And there's important things that we're going to do even yet today corporately together. But we connect with God and one another in smaller gatherings. And that is so important to us. And of these seven core values, last week we looked at the, 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 the power of prayer. How we, we believe in the power of prayer. Today I want to highlight the second of our seven core values. It's that we boldly proclaim God's word in love. We believe that there is nothing more effective and nothing more relevant, nothing more powerful than to present God's word unadulterated, powerfully present his word with love. And so we don't try to butter it up and come with wise or persuasive words, as Paul would say, but we want to focus in on Jesus and Him crucified. And so when we preach the Word of God, we will preach it boldly here and in love. You say, well, that's good. You're the preacher. I'm glad you got that figured out. What does that have to do with me? Hey, you're a preacher as well. You may not know it. If you're a Christian, you're a carrier of the Great Commission, and you too are responsible for the words that you share about Jesus Christ. And so share it boldly. Proclaim God's Word boldly in love. Today we're going to be talking about the power in our words. And so as we're going to look to James chapter 3, you may want to pull out an outline if that helps you. Kids, you may want to walk through your bulletin that's provided for you, but Pastor Katrina has a test today, and she's going to record how many times I say the word words, or word, singular or plural, word or words, either one, they count, and if you want to see how good she does, you count that with her, and uh, you talk with her after for the official count, she'll help you with that. But I want you to imagine with me a resource with endless supply that can be leveraged for unbelievable good or incomprehensible evil, distributed intensely throughout a global network. What is this resource? It's the simple commodity of my words and your words. We're told as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Never has there been a myth that has been perpetrated on a truth as powerful as this on language. I think I know what the rhyme is supposed to mean, that when people say bad things about you, don't worry about it, move on and move on to something else. But the thought that 
Sticks and stones could break bones, but words won't do any damage is absolutely false. What you receive in words can impact you, and what you give in words can impact you. Words have power. Think about it. The universe was created by God's word when he spoke. He would speak and things would come into being. Words have power. God used words to instruct the children of Israel. He would literally write with his finger on stone tablets and give them his writing, his words, to be a guide to them in the Ten Commandments. It's through the scriptures, these written words that are inspired by God, that we learn of God and we have faith in him. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing comes from the word. Words are powerful. John 1 tells us that Jesus is the living word. He's the living word of God. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, Jesus the man, he was sustained, his very body was sustained by what? Matthew 4, 4, Jesus is quoting scripture. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And when Jesus was fasting, he was sustained on God's word. There's power in words. Jesus who was fully man and fully God, his words on the cross when he uttered, it is finished, satisfied the wrath of God, and it secured hope for us that as he conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave, there is victory for us. Solomon gives us the wise words in Proverbs 18, death and life are in the power of our tongue. James, who we're going to read about in just a second, the brother of Jesus, says from the same mouth comes blessing and curses. This cannot be. See, words, it lit a fire of reformation. It inspired the American Revolution. Words have sent people to the death chamber. Words have pardoned an execution. Words have begun wars. Words have ended wars. Words can be instruments of healing or tools of destruction. Proverbs talks about swords that thrust in, they can cut, they can devour you. Now most of us have experienced both sides of this. We've been inspired by words and we have been wounded by words. Maybe you can think of passages of scripture that have inspired you. A speech or a song lyric that has inspired you. Maybe a line from a movie has inspired you. Words from your teacher could have inspired you. Or words from your parents could have inspired you. But no doubt you've been wounded by words. An angry outburst from someone who you loved cuts really deep. A friend who was so critical in their complaint of you. A friend who their text or their their email or their post was anything but gracious and loving. And you've been wounded by the words that were spoken or that was written to you or about you. Words hold weight. We, We know this to be true. As people of one book, the Bible, as people who are followers of the living word, Jesus Christ, people who are children of God who speaks and things happen, what are we to think about words? Today, perhaps more than any other time in history, we live in a world saturated with words. Technology has enabled us to communicate more widely, more freely than ever before. It just takes anybody with internet access on their mobile device or their laptop or whatever it may be. They can go to the computer at the library and they can spread their words of life or death, whatever they may be, pretty far. 
The Global Web Index reports that 665 million people use Facebook each day to communicate items of interest as well as personal information. Pictures of their food they ate or a cat video they saw or whatever it is they want to share. There is opportunity in platforms to share your words like never before. Twitter is the fastest growing social network with 288 million active users each month. And we see over a quarter of those who have internet access are tapping into Twitter at some point. There's platforms to use your words. They're powerful. There's life or death in them. You add to that blogs and podcasts and newspapers and magazines and books and millions and millions of words that are uttered over and over on top of the old school communication you have when you open your mouth and say something or you shut your mouth and you don't say something. Never have so many words been spoken to so many people across so many platforms. Words hold weight. So what are we to think as Christians about our words? I believe that James is going to call out to us today. We need to control our talk. That's where I want us to start in James chapter 3. Now, James is in the middle of his teaching. We're picking up chapter 3, and and I don't have time to go through 1 and 2, but he's been in this teaching time about authentic Christianity, what it means to really have faith in Jesus Christ. And he talks about idle faith, faith that's just kind of like a name only, and talks about that. But he's zeroing in, that's tied to this, If you're an authentic Christian, if you're a real, genuine Christian, it should impact the speech that you have. And he's saying to us that we need to control our talk. Look with me at James chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, James 3, verse 4. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. What is James trying to say to us? I think he is screaming out to us today that the tongue is powerful. Proverbs 18.21 gives us the thoughts, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it eat of its fruit. See, there are potential death in your words. There's a potential for life in the words that you speak. I want you to think for a minute about the things that you have said in the last seven days. Think about it. Think of the things that you have typed, that you have written in the last seven days. Everything you have said, everything you have written, has the power to give life or to give death. I think some would respond and say, well, Brady, I, I don't know if that really is me because I'm not that great of a talker. I'm not that good of a speaker. I don't care how good of a speaker you are. What you say can give life or death. Well, I'm kind of a quiet person. I'm kind of reserved and and I don't say a lot of things. Well, good. The little bit that you say will give life or death. Well, I'm not big on social media. I'm not a big writer or typer. Hey, whatever you utter and whatever platform you utter it, it will either give life or death. 
It's not a question if that is true for you. It's a question of what is coming out of you. How often do we get sidetracked into thinking that we have to comment on everything? That is our role in life to give a running commentary on everything we see. This is silly. That is dumb. This could be fixed. This could happen. And, and I know some of us, it's a personality thing, but what if we would actually filter what we would say or type or write with these words? Is what I'm saying giving life or is it giving death? Well, Brady, you know what? I just kind of speak truth. I just call it like I see it. Well, good for you. You can call it like you see it and speak death in the same way. You see, we are to speak truth in love. Is the truth that I'm uttering, is the intent to build up, is the intent to edify, is the intent to encourage, is the intent to give life, or is the intent to shame, is the intent to catch, is the intent to wound? Well, I don't know, I just say it. Well, maybe we need to think about what we say. Our, our words have power. They can give life or death. Now hear me, it's not just about what you say. Sometimes it's about what you didn't say. Some of us, the convicting thought is, man, I've said some stuff. I don't know if it was death or life this week. Others, we're silent when we need to speak up and give life. What do you do when the person at school or the person at your office or that neighbor starts to gossip? They are filling your ear with some juicy tidbits. Well, I don't participate. I don't say anything. Well, I guess that's kind of good. But what if you would speak life? You know, if you have a problem with people who want to gossip to you all the time, it's an easy fix. Just say, oh, yeah, you know, I know that person. I love them. They're a good friend of mine. In fact, everything you're saying, I've not seen that true in their life. You know what? Gossip, it's not just about falsehoods. You can gossip with lies. You can also gossip with the truth. Gossip is sharing what is not yours to share. Amen? And so if someone is saying something that is, that is absolutely cutting to a person and it's, it's defaming them, and even if it's truthful but it's not the right context, it's definitely not with the right tone, you don't have to lie about it. You can say, hey, listen, you know what? I love that person. And, and I want to love on them. I don't want to talk about them this way. Your words can give life or it can give death. I don't know if I like that. We'll take it up with James. He's the one who's given this to us. See, not only is the tongue powerful, the tongue can be poisonous. Look at verse 6 through 8 with me. The tongue, is, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. James 3, 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Don't miss this. But no human being can tame the tongue. Oh, that's encouraging. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. The tongue is not only powerful, it's perverse. It's small, but it's influential. And worse by far is the fact that it can be satanic and infectious. Say, well, sometimes I don't always say the right things, and I'm not always kind, but satanic. Hold on, Brady. Hey, in Christ, there's only light. There's no darkness in Christ. So either I'm speaking words that are in Him that give life, or I'm speaking words that are of death, and it's of the enemy. It's poisonous. And, and our tongue can 
infect our entire body. Our tongue can set the course of our entire life. Our tongue can bring pain for ourselves and everyone else around us. Now I want you to imagine with me, I mean, James is, is not candy-coating this for us. He, he says it pretty plain. And sometimes I think we hear passages of Scripture and we think, oh, it's not kind of cute, it's kind of hyperbole, it makes us think of this. Poison. Deadly poison. So I was thinking about poison this morning, and I thought that some of you may be hungry for lunch and ready to have a snack, so I found some Roundup. It's poison. kills some things. It says don't drink it on here, but, you know, who cares about that? You're probably hungry, and so here's a little bit of poison, and you may want something to chew on. So I, I found some of these, you know, those green pellet things that kill mice. Anybody want a snack? It's poison. This is not fake. This is real poison. It stinks. You can smell it. And I tried to get this poison out of here, but it's pretty hard to get out of here. This is what James says comes spewing out of our mouth all the time. Poison to kill, to destroy. The tongue, our words, can be poisonous. Now, it's not just hurtful to the people we spew them on. If they're in our mouth, we're being infected by them as well. Now, here's what happens. We begin to pack away poison in our life, and we store it around us. We begin to have all these poisonous things in our heart and our mind, and when the world squeezes us, out comes poison. Not rocket science. Some of us today, as the Lord is talking to us about our speech, there's some influences in our life. They are just an infectious poison. We are to love them, but be careful. Guard your mind. Guard your heart. If you have an individual who keeps dumping poison on you over and over and over, love them. God may call you to reach them, but be careful how much you let them speak into your life. If you or I are one of those people, what are we serving people to eat? Now, I really tried to get this thing out of here, but it's hard. Like, I'm sure there's some, like, lawsuit somewhere that makes this thing impossible to open up. Only mice can get it and get in. We are, we are preoccupied with ways to keep poison from getting to kids. We have these child safety things, you know, makes me not be able to open the bottle very well. And, and we're told to not keep poisonous stuff like this under the sink so kids could get to it and eat it. This is not a good thing. We don't, we don't want to do this. But, but think about it, Mom and Dad. If we treat household chemicals with this kind of care, how careful are we with our words around our kids who are learning how to speak? We can pass on, we can be careless with deadly, murderous words. Friend, I'm not saying there's not a place in love for us to offer correction, but I am tired of us as Christians taking a small piece of truth that we know that love is not only tender, sometimes it's tough, but we take that truth and we do broad brushstrokes over all the carnal speak that we want to have. Well, I'm just going to love them tough. That dirty, rotten, no, blip, 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 blip. If I would have done it, I would have done it this way. Blah, 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 blah. You're spewing poison. And James says, stop it. An authentic Christian doesn't do that. The tongue is not only powerful, it not only can be poisonous, it can be polluted. Wasn't that the same thing? No, no, hold on, it's different. Let's look at James 9 through 12. With the tongue we praise the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been created in God's likeness. And out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be... Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Jesus was talking about the professionally religious people, people like you and me. Here's what he said of their heart. In Matthew 15, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, there's the poison that we can spew, and then there's times when we, we say, hey, hey, no, I, I got some purified speech. I got some good things to say. I got some, without any problem, no defects, I got good stuff to say. But we allow our life to, to, to do this on Sunday, and then we pollute it and mix it when we think no one is around. And this is like sewage nasty stuff here. And then, and then we want people to say, well, I'm speaking pure. You cannot have fresh Water come from a polluted spring. It doesn't matter how much you try to speak right when people are around. It doesn't matter how much you authentically believe it at certain times in your life. When you mix it with the evil, it pollutes our words. And I praise God with my mouth. And then I can curse His creation with the same mouth. James says that can't be. And the wonderful encouragement he says to us is, no human being can tame the tongue. Ha <laughs> ha! God bless you, dismissed. No, don't go, I'm not done. Well, what are we to do? Nobody can tame the wild beast of the tongue. Well, there's hope. And in rapid fire, I want to share with you real fast. I'm going to speed up my talker. You speed up your listener, okay? You ready? Here it is. We need to understand the tie that is with our tongue and the rest of our body. There's a connection there. See, our tongue is tied to our thoughts. What you say is tied to what you think. Where do you get that? Well, look at this. Proverbs 16, 23 says, From a wise mind, our thoughts, comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. See, what you think about affects what you say. You didn't just spew out words that were hurtful or critical or damaging just out of the, you know, heat of the moment. You were thinking it. You were thinking it. You were packing away poison. Stop thinking about it. Well, well, there's another connection. Our thoughts are tied to our heart. Luke 6.45 says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Don't miss this. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So, So get this. There's a connection. My tongue is connected to my mind. My mind is connected to my heart. And so what I harbor in my heart, I think about. What I value in my heart, I think about. What I think about, I eventually say. So if I look at my speech and I see death coming out, and I don't want death to come out anymore, I need to train my mind to think on things of life. I need to let my heart have room for things of life to come in. Well, So while I may not be able to tame the tongue, do A, B, C, D, and never have a problem with my speech again, No one can do that. I can take every thought captive and make it subject to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you talk to me about my my thoughts? I can guard my heart and be careful what I treasure in my heart. Now, this doesn't mean you'll never blow it. The sanctified believer and the person who doesn't know Jesus or the carnal Christian, you put them in the same situation and life gets tough enough, they may respond the same way. But here's what happens with the sanctified believer. They go back and they make it right. They say, 
I am sorry. What I said was wrong. It was hurtful. There was no excuse. I've asked God to forgive me. I want to ask you to forgive me. Watch their jaw drop. This is not about me being without air. It's about me being teleos, perfect for the purpose, allowing God to sanctify my speech. You see, what James is saying, hey, hey, if you're an authentic Christian, people will know by what you say. Oh, I got it, Brady. I won't say those four-letter words. Well, hopefully we won't use that kind of foul language, but I'm sick and tired of us as Christians labeling these four-letter words that we'll never ever have in a song, we'll never ever watch on TV, we'll never let our kids say, but we spew vile poison of pride, vile poison of jealousy, vile poison of a good-even spirit that is more rank and wretched than any four-letter word you and I can come up with. That's good preaching. I don't care who you are. That's the truth. It's convicting to me. You see, because God gives me an opportunity to allow Him to sanctify my thoughts, wash and renew my mind, Lord, how? By His Word. Ha <laughs> ha, that's another sermon. And fill my heart with the things of you that I may speak life. Well, how do we do this? Real fast. As we cultivate wise thoughts, here's what it looks like. James 3.13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Friend, our thoughts are wise. We know they're wise thoughts when they're humble. How much of our thinking is prideful? 1 Peter 5, 5. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When you think about people around you, do you see how you are better than them? When you think about situations in your life, do you see how you are so far above them? Or do you say, God, you are higher than me. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. See, wisdom, it's not measured by degrees, by your education, by the books you have read. It's measured by our deeds, how we live it out. It's not a matter of acquiring truth through a lecture. It's about applying the truth that we've learned from the Word of God, living and written in our life. As we read on, we begin to see that wise thoughts are not only humble, they're gracious. Verse 14 through 16, give us a picture of what it looks like when our thoughts are not gracious. Wise, unwise thoughts are not gracious. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Think about this. Are you thinking gracefully about people around you? What is grace? A merited favor, someone said. Undeserved gift. That's a classical definition for us. It's the unmerited favor of God. I don't like that definition very much anymore. Not because it's not a good definition. It's a great definition. But we've messed up the word favor. We think it's, oh God, thanks for this, you know, favor you gave me. I'll pay you back later. No. It's the gift that you and I can never repay. We are bankrupt. It's been given to us. It's this gift that changes our life. And we didn't deserve it. So when I'm graceful, I'm looking at people's eyes. I'm going to love you when you don't deserve it. How much do I think about others around me? I'm going to love them even when they don't deserve it. Or as soon as I see a flaw, I'm going to tell you. Because I speak truth. Because I love you, I'm going to tell you. Or, Or do I... Do I humbly say, you know what? Maybe you had a horrible day. I've had those and said dumb things. I'm going to give grace. 
And not only is wise thinking humble and gracious, wise thinking is peaceable. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness or right living. Friend, as we close this morning, I believe God wants to say to us, a mouth filled with praise results from a mind and heart of purity. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today and the tremendous attention they have given to your word. Lord, I thank you for their tenacity and concentration and pressing in and trying to hear you. And Lord, I ask that you will honor their intense listening today by giving root to your truth in their heart. Lord, if there's anything that I've shared that's been distractive to them or it's taken them off path of what you're saying, Lord, would you allow it to quickly fall from their ears and their eyes and their their, their perception, Lord, but would you take your truth and let it run strong in their life? Lord, I ask today, would you convict us of the power of our words? Lord, would you remind us that there is life to be spoken to people around us today? Jesus, not only will you convict us of what not to say, would you give us boldness to speak up and say the things you're calling us to say. In your powerful name I pray, amen and amen. Would you stand with me? As we close this morning...